What do you think of when I say the word debt? For many of us, our first reaction is debt is bad. But that might be the very association that is keeping you from financial freedom and success. Today, we are talking about debt financing in business and how the smartest and wealthiest people use leverage, aka other people's money, aka debt, to build wealth and how you too can access this type of financing. For decades, women have been climbing the corporate ladder. We have been asking for seats at the table when we really should just buy the whole damn company. Welcome to the Renegade Ventures podcast, where we uncover a different path to business ownership. We talk about the ins and outs of acquiring and growing businesses as assets. These assets grow our wealth and our communities, and it's a lot more accessible than you may think. I am your host, Ellie Puckett, and for 10 years, I was the poster child for entrepreneurship. Now I'm a trained business broker. I help people buy and sell businesses. I'm working on my own acquisitions, and I am passionately advocating for more women to become acquisition entrepreneurs. This path isn't easy, but it is worth it. And for those of you who choose it, that is what makes you a renegade. Welcome to the Renegade Ventures podcast. We are actively growing and trying to expand our audience. If you enjoy this episode, we would love if you left us a rating and review. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. Our next episode, we'll be talking about equity financing. So if you've ever wondered about startup investing like angel and venture capital or other forms of equity-based financing, aka giving a piece of ownership in exchange for money, make sure you don't miss that episode. All right, on to debt financing. Let us start at the beginning. Debt financing in its simplest form is borrowing money that is to be paid back at a later date. Debt financing includes everything from credit cards to traditional bank loans to lines of credit to even an investor or a friend giving you money that is to be paid back. It is borrowing money. But the process of borrowing money has been made anything but simple. Yet, it remains the number one way to get the money you need to buy a business or grow your business. To help us navigate this topic of debt, I reached out to Sheree Hawkins with Community Ventures. Sheree has a unique view and role into the world of debt financing. She has been everything from the head of a small business development center, which helps other people pursue financing, to a small business lender at a commercial bank, and she did lots of SBA lending. And now she is the president of all things equity at Community Ventures, which is a CDFI, or Community Development Financial Institution. Already lost in the acronyms? Don't worry, we will be walking through each of these and make sure that you have a basic understanding of the debt financing world. Every time I have started or looked at buying a business, I called Dave Etkin and the team at the Louisville Small Business Development Center. 
There are SBDC offices across the country, and they exist to help you start and grow your business. Best of all, most of their services are completely free. If you need help starting a business, filing an LLC, making financial projections, writing a business plan, prepping for an SBA loan, or you just need some business advice, contact the Small Business Development Center. The contact information is in our show notes. The most common way to buy a business is through debt financing. It is often maybe a combination of traditional bank loans and what's called seller financing, but both are still debt. Traditional loans are exactly as they sound. A bank is giving you a specific amount of money with an interest rate and a term length. And just like with your house or car, you are acquiring the money you need now for the purchase or for operating capital, and you will have to pay a monthly payment to pay back that loan. Within this category, there is something called commercial bank loans or like regular business loans. And then there is small business administration guaranteed loans, also called SBA loans. With the rare exception of COVID, the SBA does not do any direct lending to businesses. With both commercial and regular business loans and SBA guaranteed loans, you will start by talking directly to a bank. With SBA loans, that bank is then going to go through the normal process of lending plus some extra documentation for the SBA. And they're going to get that checks boxes and those forms filled out. And then the SBA is going to guarantee if that loan isn't paid back by you, that the SBA will pay back a portion to the bank. This helps the banks de-risk their loans to small businesses. But that program does have parameters which we will cover here shortly. Regardless, this means that you'll be starting your process of getting a bank loan with a bank and a banker or a person called a lender. So I asked Sheree, what is the first thing that that banker is looking for when a person comes to get a business loan? As I tell everyone, everyone needs to know their business. And people roll their eyes at me when I say that you need to have a business plan, financial projections, or if you're an existing business, I mean, where is your business right now? What are your tax returns say? What do your financial statements say? Um, just because you have money in the bank doesn't mean that your business is still profitable. And it's really just a gut. I mean, I've been doing this for so long, I guess, probably too long for some, but um, just knowing your business and knowing where you want to go and staying true to that is probably the biggest thing. Because I always ask people about the, their numbers because that's just what I do. And if you don't know your numbers, that's, that's a red flag. She went on to identify that business owners really need to know their target customers. And that customer is not everyone. That having a deep understanding of your business and who it serves specifically, how that business makes money, and what the debt will be used for is vital to anyone being willing to give that business owner financing. And after a banker has validated that you know your business or the future business that you're going to buy and have checked out your financial history, both personally and for the business, the next thing that banker is going to be trying to understand is if the business has any collateral. So can you, let's take it back and pretend that I am a new business person and I don't know what collateral is. 
Can you explain what collateral is? So collateral can be a number of things. So let's say it's furniture, fixtures, and equipment on the business. It may be client listings. It may be um, accounts receivables. Those are the main things. If you are, are a trucking business, it would be trucks. If you are a marketing company with a large group that you've worked with, it'll be those your your client base mm-hmm. um, because that's revenues, which is, again, receivables that you're going to get in. So all of those are considered collateral. Um, but the other thing that in addition to collateral is that you're going to have to have some, I call it skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You have to have some injection yourself. Um, there, I'm not aware of anyone that will lend you 100%. This is one of those points that I want to hone in on. There are a lot of influencers out there talking about buying businesses with zero dollars down. And I want to emphasize that they are trying to get your attention. They are wanting to make a point and they want to help you think about the wide variety of possibilities to open up your mindset. It is actually 100% possible to buy a business with very little to no personal money down. But ironically, it is the experienced investors with plenty of money of their own that can get that kind of deal. They have plenty of collateral and they know how to leverage one deal on another. And the bankers feel comfortable because they have been always paying back their other business loans. For your very first acquisition deal, you will most likely need a minimum of 10% down. 5% down is the very best case scenario, but it is utilizing more advanced techniques where a seller will hold a minimum of a 5% note so that the bank itself is still only financing 90% of that deal. And you only need to come with 5% down. So it goes 5% seller note, 5% down, 90% bank. But again, This is more advanced technique that's usually not on your very first deal. Now, this isn't a fully exhaustive explanation. And my point that I want to communicate is that when you go to buy a business or when you go to run a business, at some point, you are likely going to head to a bank. And Cherie really puts it best. So it's always the first stop is always your banker. And then if your banker doesn't know, generally they'll refer you to someone else or if they can't help you. And sometimes they'll refer you to the Small Business Development Center or to Community Ventures because I get quite a few referrals from the bank. But getting to know your banker and having your relationship with your banker, even if you've never borrowed money, um, you may want to just go every now and then and just have a conversation with the banker. I would ask, I mean, because many businesses still maybe make deposits at the counter Mm -hmm. with the customer service representative. So just go in there and ask that customer service representative who you would speak with if you were getting a business loan, if you wanted to apply for a business loan. Step one, even if you're not ready to borrow money and then establish that relationship, whether it's the branch manager, the business loan officer, or the commercial lender, depending on the type of loan that you're looking for. Creating relationships with bankers early and often will help you in this journey. They understand what types of loans their underwriters will do, and they are there to guide you through the process. But one of my biggest discoveries I made in becoming a broker and doing my first acquisition deals is that at any given moment, 
a bank could want your business or turn it down based on their portfolio of investment and what their underwriters risk assessment for any given industry. So you could be banking at a bank for 35 years and go for a bank loan. But if you happen to be a car wash and they're not doing any car washes right now, you will be denied. If you don't know many bankers right now, I would start at the Small Business Development Center or someone like me, a business broker that keeps these relationships up with many bankers and keeps an understanding of the types of deals that that banker does. Because you might need more than just the relationship with your current bank and small business lender. But as you get these referrals, just as much as they are interviewing you, you need to be interviewing them. I wouldn't recommend that you go from bank to bank to bank to bank. Because if you do that, then that means that every time you go to that bank and you submit your application packet, that bank is going to pull a credit report. So to protect your credit, ask the bankers point blank to talk about their investment theories at the time. Are they investing in these style of businesses? What do they like to see? And understand what types of investments do they typically make and how likely your deal is to go through before you let them pull a credit report. When I started my journey to buy a business, I quickly realized not all business brokers are created equal. That's why I chose to partner with Murphy Business Sales. Murphy has 150 offices across the country. Their deal size and close rate is significantly higher than the national average. But most importantly, the staff was trained, professional, friendly, and they didn't flinch when I was seven months pregnant. If you're looking to buy or sell a business, Murphy is here to guide you through the process. You can go to murphybusiness.com and make sure that you mention Ellie Puckett and Renegade Ventures Podcast. When it comes to SBA lending, there's also a few extra things to know. One is to really hone in on banks that do a lot of SBA lending, and they are considered preferred SBA lenders. All bigger banks have these programs, but not all actively make SBA loans on a daily basis. The ones that make SBA lending a priority are often smaller banks that are focused on this subsection, and therefore they have a higher threshold for risk, and they're quicker at getting these deals done. Again, though, not all SBA loans have the same interest rate at every bank. The bank has a lot of flexibility in the way that they interpret the SBA guidelines and the way in which they do these loans. So don't assume that one SBA banker saying no means that they all will, or that one SBA banker giving you a high interest rate means that they all will. You should definitely keep in conversation with others because they are competing for your business. The SBA has two different programs. One is called the 7A program and the other is called the 504 program. Shree's going to go and explain these. 504 is basically an asset purchase. So it's either you're purchasing a building for your business or you're purchasing a large piece of equipment that is not rotating. It's not rotating. It's 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 an asset that's going to stay. So it's not a it's not a truck that's going to come in and out. So it's mainly purchase real estate or equipment that's going to 
if you're doing a, a large machine shop and a machinery that's going to stay inside a building. So that's that. So that is the SBA 504 program, the 7A program. And I haven't stayed as up to date on the, the guarantee amounts. There are different loans within that. And then there are some banks that are preferred lenders on the SBA, which means that they can use their own documentation and then go apply for the, the guarantee. So say, for instance, if you're looking for a loan to expand your business, say you're going to buy a franchise. That's good because we talked about mm-hmm. that. So this is a big one. So if you're going to do a franchise with an SBA 7A, again, you have to go to the bank. The other thing is, is that franchise has to be on the SBA franchise list uh, on that. And not all franchises are on that SBA franchise list. And that's up to the, the franchise if they want to be on there. Many of franchises are on that, but there are some that are not on that list. So just an FYI. But you do go to the bank and you apply for it just like you would normally do a normal business loan. And then the bank determines what's best for you. And if they can do it in-house as a regular business loan or commercial loan, then they will do that. If they would prefer to add an SBA guarantee on it, then they will submit that those documentations. And if you're a preferred lender, that's generally a little bit easier, which I think most banks in this region that do SBA loans are preferred lenders, which means that they just use their own documentation and they submit it for the, the approval from SBA to be the guarantor. When you are going for a bank loan or to buy a small business that's going to be under $5 million, more often than not, we are going to be utilizing the SBA 7A program. And so this is the one that you should spend your time learning about and Googling. This year in 2023, there have actually been a ton of changes to improve this program. And this also means that lenders are still struggling to figure out how to interpret these changes and implement them. Some lenders are being more liberal with their willingness to adapt their processes to the new changes, while others are staying on the conservative side with the old rules. Some of the new rules include allowing a person to buy out a portion of a business rather than previously you had to be buying 100% of the business. And that allows for a lot of creativity in your future business buying. But again, working with a broker, the Small Business Development Center, and bankers to understand what is the best path forward for your deal is always a good idea. At the end of the day, so much depends on that individual banker and their willingness to advocate for you to their underwriters. An underwriter is the person or team at a bank assessing the opportunity and determining if that bank will do the deal. The lender or the banker you're working with wants the deal to be done because that's how they get commission and become successful at their job. So you want to become friendly and help aid that person being successful in advocating for your business. Diving in a little deeper into what makes a banker happy and makes them know that they can go to bat for your business is a business owner knowing what is called the debt coverage ratio. Sheree explains what the debt coverage ratio is. So the debt coverage ratio is the amount that you would have to cover the debt. And it depends on the bank. Some banks are 
maybe one to one. So that means for, you know, every dollar of debt, you have a dollar to pay that debt. So like that, or some of them are 1.2. So that means you have a, for every, you know, um, dollar of debt, you have a dollar and 20 to pay the debt. So those types of things. So it just depends on the bank on, uh, or the entity and what their in-house requirements of debt service coverage will be, whether that's 1.2, 1.5, 2.0. And it may even depend on the type of business that it is. So for a riskier business, the debt service coverage may be higher than a traditional, if you're buying a McDonald's, mm-hmm. because we know that's, well, we did know that that was going to be a good business because of the history and the longevity of there. But so it could be depending on the business. I mean, like now after COVID, everyone is traveling and moving. So, you know, the debt service coverage for a travel business or a hotel or um, an Airbnb or something like that, that you're looking to purchase or something that's dealing with travel and leisure may be a different than others. But minimally, I would say, you know, at least one-to-one, but most people are going to go 1.2 or 1.3. And last but not least, they will be checking your personal finances like your personal and business credit score. So what kind of credit scores are we talking about? What kind, what are things that can help us prepare and make a case for ourselves when we're trying to get businesses with a loan? So we're going to the bank, I would say no less than 650 on the credit score. I mean, I know that's that's difficult. I know, and I'm not sure what the, for our microloans, it's less than that. I don't do those on a regular basis like I used to, but we'll take that into consideration. I mean, um, you'll have to address that. Um, you can't never have paid anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> and still not paying anyone and then go in to apply for a loan. So you're going to have to explain that debt. Um, I had a conversation with the business owner today in many of them that we're going to work on budget, debt, and credit. I mean, those are the things that we're going to work on and budget in that we're going to save some money. So what I suggest to people is minimally, I mean, if you're looking for an $80,000 loan that you need to have 10% of that, you're borrowing $100,000, you need to have 10% of that minimally. So- If you have 10% down and you know your business financials, you know your customers, you have collateral, you've got good credit, and it has a 1.3 debt coverage ratio, you may just get a business loan. Woohoo! I know that's a lot. The frustrating part about this and how hard it can be is that this is a system that is built on people who have money being able to get more access to more money. And people who do not have money are not likely to get that access and are just out of luck. And I wish that I could break our entire system and rebuild it to be more equitable because it is just not. But never fear. If you go to a bank and you are not approved, when all seems lost, just keep swimming and go talk to a CDFI. I am the president of Everything Equity. So people always ask, what's that with that title? So I'll I'll give a little bit about that. So Everything Equity was established because women and ethnic minority businesses had difficulty obtaining loans during COVID and other disadvantaged businesses. The powers that be at Community Ventures decided that we should have a program 
um, specifically for women and ethnic minority businesses that may have unfortunately been left behind in the other lending platforms. Community Ventures has a designation as a CDFI through the Treasury, Certified Development Financial Institution, which is a designation from the Treasury. It allows you to loan dollars, but not be a bank. So we're not a bank. We don't do deposits. We don't do certain types of loans, but we do actually do loans that are not, you know, we're not in competition with the bank. And then we have different underwriting criteria and things like that. But I always tell people to first start with the bank because the goal eventually is to, if you're not bankable, to make you bankable Mm -hmm. so that you can do that. But the first stop should always be with your banker or one of those entities. Sometimes that bank denying you a loan is the ticket to working with a CDFI, especially if you are an underrepresented person. Because the goal of these organizations is to increase equity and is to help raise people from poverty and help them become more bankable in the future. This is a great option if you've exhausted your other options and are now looking for a way to finance a deal. There, there's a lot of hoops in there and jumps so that we can do some things that a bank can't, like I said. And here in this region, like Community Ventures is a micro lender. So you can borrow up to $50,000 to start your business if you need to borrow that as a micro lender to get your started. You want to start a lending relationship. You want to show a payment history. If you had some blips in the past, then we need to work on those and show that you you can pay and that you're paying successfully, that you can do that. And sometimes many a business now, if you if you're doing it yourself, some can start with as little as $10,000. And I just want to say that Renegade will continue to work to make buying businesses more equitable. And we will continue to expose special opportunities for those who are willing to work and get creative. And we will try to overcome some very real barriers together. And so if you know of other options that we're not discussing here or opportunities for people who may not have that capital to be able to grow above and beyond, please lean into this community. Let us know. We will happily share your information on our social media because we want more people to be able to grow their wealth and to close that wealth gap by buying and building businesses as assets. Now, I started this episode with a bold statement that debt might be the ticket to financial freedom. And I want to be clear, I am not talking about credit card debt of any kind. You are typically a person that lives in one of two camps and you know yourself. You are either one, totally afraid of debt and risk, or two, you embrace debt and risk like a bull and you just ride it and you take on all the debt. I am not talking about that kind of level of risk. What I'm covering is the strategic plan to leverage the bank's dollars to grow your business and your wealth. And these things can stack on each other. And that is one way that strategic business buyers continue to build their wealth through business acquisition. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're a privileged person who has access to $100,000. You could either buy a $100,000 business in cash 
and it will likely cash flow just enough to survive on and you probably have to work it full time. Or you can use that $100,000 to buy a business that does a million dollars in revenue or is a million dollars. And it will likely have an SDE, seller's discretionary earnings, of $400,000 to $500,000, allowing you to make the loan payments, to pay yourself, and still have money left over to continue to grow the business or make another down payment on another acquisition. Each business pays their loan back. It is not you paying the loan back. It is the business paying its loan back. So as long as you can bring the down payment and collateral, and that business has a debt coverage ratio that the bank is on board with, they will likely support your next investment and be able to buy another company. Your SDE just went from 400 to 500,000 to 900 to a million, and your net worth jumped. And then you can do it all again and again and again. And you can take that $100,000 and leverage it to grow your wealth one step at a time. As long as each individual business you buy can pay back their loan and throw off enough cash to continue to grow those businesses, the banks will likely be willing to do those deals. And this is how people strategically do business acquisitions using leverage and grow their wealth. If you are not mind blown, I don't know what will blow your mind. Because this was the moment that I realized I wanted to be a business acquisition expert because it is brilliant. But it isn't something that we talk about often. And so I grew up thinking debt is bad. And I did everything we could to not have any debt. This was actually a good thing for me in those younger years because I didn't carry credit card debt and I didn't have student debt because I played college volleyball. And we were able to buy a home because we had good credit scores. But being afraid of debt in the long term can be detrimental to a business person's ability to grow, scale, and sell. I just want to quickly highlight one final option that we haven't talked much about on today's episode, and that is seller's financing. I know a lot of people are curious about this. And basically, seller financing is a debt financing option where it works basically the same as a traditional loan, except the underwriting process is another person and a lawyer draws up the documentation with the interest rate and a loan term and any other conditions or clawbacks. But it is negotiated between two people rather than a person and a bank. This is actually very regularly used in small business acquisitions but it is often partially used. Most deals are not 100% seller financed unless the deal for some reason is not bankable or that ability to seller finance gives that seller some sort of benefit or it is an internal family deal or former employee buying the business, then we might see a heavier chunk being seller financed. As I mentioned though, Banks often like to see a seller hold a note for 5% or 10% because this helps prove to the bank 
that that owner will transition the business well. It keeps all parties with skin in the game. And that ensures that this deal will transition to the new owner and those contracts and those customers will all be transitioned in a way that keeps that business owner successful. If you want to learn more about debt financing or you have questions, please reach out to me or the local small business development center. We love helping answer those questions on both social media or even personally. We are also willing to give referrals out to different banks that we work with at Murphy Business Sales. And so please feel free to reach out. If you like this episode, just make sure that you catch the next one on equity-based financing. It's coming out in two weeks. And if you subscribe and like this podcast, you will get a notification when that comes out. Again, please, if you're enjoying this, leave us a rating or review. We want to continue to bring this kind of content to people so that we can grow everyone's awareness of this option to buy and build businesses as assets. Thank you for being here. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Ventures podcast. Join our Renegade email for business listings and more resources at renegade.biz. That's renegade.biz. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share our podcast so that more women can choose a different path to business ownership.